you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. The Chris Voss Show family, the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law. Because, I don't know, go clean your room already, people. Come on. As always, we bring you the most smartest minds and guests in the world for 15 years. We just turned 15 yesterday. Can you believe that? 15 years. What more do you want, people? We put out 655 podcasts in the last year. In the last year, 655 podcasts. You know how much work that is? It's a bit of work, folks. You're getting two to three episodes a day, 10 to 15 episodes a week, just like a radio show. And if that's not enough content for you, the people that come on the show just keep getting smarter and smarter. And uh, I'm probably just getting dumber and dumber as I go through the years. <laughs> as always, the guilt and shaming begins with the plugs. Go to goodreads.com for says Chris Voss to tell your friends, neighbors, relatives. Go to iTunes, give us a five-star review over there. Also go to LinkedIn, the big LinkedIn newsletter as well, the 130,000 LinkedIn group over there. Also go to TikTok. We're killing over the TikTok. We're starting to. We might be getting cool with those kids, eh? Uh, I don't know. The, that Gen Zer might start liking us for what I'm seeing. Go to Chris Voss one over on TikTok. Today we have an amazing gentleman on the show, and he's going to be talking about some of the favorite things that I love to talk about, leadership, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll get into it. We have Paul Bramson on the show. He's described as a powerhouse on keynote stages and in training arenas. He is distinguished as being one of the most effective speakers, trainers, and executive coaches in the world today. He's considered a global authority and thought leader in the area of sales, leadership, communication, interviewing, and negotiation skills. He has more than 25 years of experience embodying the true gifts of a teacher to accurately illuminate challenges while empowering all levels of professionals, leaders, and teams with next-generation knowledge and skills. Paul's natural effectiveness to reach his audiences comes from the sincerity and tremendous passion he has for the messages he delivers and the individuals he works with. He grew up in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. We it sounds like a Long Island accent to me. Mike. Is that Long Island? A little bit Long Island. See, I'm horrible at this. We had the, we had your governor on over there in Massachusetts, I okay. think about six months ago. Really nice guy. I gave him my Ted Kennedy impression, He and he courteously laughed and didn't like it at all. I think I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he graduated from Boston University. He currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have a Southern accent. I don't have a Southern accent, so I can mimic that. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you? Chris, I'm well yourself, my friend. I am well. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. All right. So they can find me at paulbramson, B-R-A-M-S-O-N.com. That's paulbramson.com or certainly on LinkedIn at Paul Bramson. There so you go. Find me. There you go. So give us, Paul, a 30,000 overview, a synopsis of who you are and what you do with the Paul Bramson companies. Sure. So I've had my own company now for 23 years. It's hard to think back that, that long. And we work with, and I work with all different global companies of all different sizes, 
talking about skills, sales, leadership, communication, interviewing, communication, as you mentioned. I started off in corporate America before I went on my own in sales and sales training and end in leadership. And then I went on my own around 31 years old. It was a natural transition. I absolutely loved speaking to people. I loved in applying, having people apply and embrace what they learned. And going on my own was a natural transition. So that's who we are and that's what I do. There you go. It's training workshops and it's keynote. There you go. So what, what's your hero's journey? How did you grow up? What shaped you? What got you into this sort of field and interested in sales, leadership? You know, what, what kind of motivated you at an early age? So, so the, <laughs> I actually do a program about connecting like a pro that talks about how somebody's built. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I'm built a certain way. Mm-hmm. which actually has led me on this journey. I absolutely love to be a high performer. So I was always striving to be. So I got involved in sports. I was, a, I was a good athlete growing up out of Framingham, Massachusetts. I was actually president of the class. And that, by the way, is really, really where I started to learn, boy, I really like speaking in front of groups of people. So I don't know if you call that a hero's journey, but it was certainly a journey nonetheless. So was president of the class, then went to Boston University, one of the things I've learned is I was able to leverage, I, I have an outgoing personality. I'm more introverted than I am, extra, excuse me, I'm more extroverted than I am introverted. And from there was a natural tra- transition to go into sales. One of the things though that I learned from a selling perspective was I was actually really good at communicating. So mm-hmm. from there, I took a 50% pay cut and went into sales training. Mm-hmm. I was really good at that, passionate about it, loved watching people learn, was was able to become an international sales speaker, got to travel around the world, training people in my 20s, was a leader in my late 20s, and then went on my own in my, my early 30s. So that's the journey that I had, Chris. There you go. It's always interesting to me how people go through their journeys of life, what shapes them, what motivates them, mm-hmm. that, gets a, that, that steers it. Was it scary to start your company for the first time? Great question. That is a great question. Not that your other question wasn't, but this is a really good one. Is it scary? I think... I remember sitting in a corner office, I was working, working for a Fortune 100 company, and I remember saying to myself, you know what, I've, what I've built, I'm ready to go on my own. So I trained upwards of 25,000 people in corporate America before I went on my own, and they had all left the company and went to different companies. So I had a, that was my network, and I thought to myself, you know what, I remember the day I left, I thought, what am I worried about? There's nothing to be worried about. I know this is going to be a home run, I just don't know what it looks like. Was it scary? Maybe for a minute, but I've never looked back. There you go. Because two things, two things, Chris. One, it's because I was doing what I was passionate about, and I was doing something that I loved, and something that I'm all, number three that I'm also pretty good at. Wow. There you go. You know, one of the things that we were talking about is a shocking HBR. I believe this is Harvard Business Review. Yeah. One yeah. of the things that helped me cement my success when I was young at 18, starting my first company, revealed that. of employees trust a stranger on the street more than they do their own boss. That is an astounding figure. Talk to us about authentic leadership and and what's some of the things you help coach people on on how to be the best at leadership today. So, you know, authentic leadership can have, have different meanings to different people. To me and to us, authentic leadership is how well does somebody connect with somebody from a leadership to employee level so the, the dialogue they have is, is authentic, it's productive, and it's healthy, Chris. 
And that's the disconnect that people have. People go through leadership coaching, leadership training, they talk about skills and tactics. What they don't talk about is how do you actually authentically connect with humans? And that's what I focus on. There you go. And it's interesting to me, a lot of people leave a company over leadership. They Correct. don't get along with their boss. In fact, they think that's the number that's right. one reason. Number one reason. Number one why reason. people leave. And so, how do we build out authentic leadership? How do we define more meanings? Is it, is it emotional intelligence? Oh, or here we is go. It, here we go. <laughs> that's a favorite. Is, it, is that a rhetorical yeah. question? Is it emotional intelligence? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the so I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. You want to finish your question? No, go ahead. <laughs> I, I I just want to lead you into that. And you maybe tell I'm uh, jacked up about this. Servant servant leadership does that play together too with the emotional intelligence? Let's table servant for a minute. Okay. Let's table that for a second. The emotional intelligence aspect. So let's be clear. Most, Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence. The, the, that's he's a forefather of emotional intelligence. That came out before the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And when companies started to hear about emotional intelligence, they were like, ah, it's soft skills. You don't really have to worry about that. Leave your feelings at the door, come in and be ready to work and drive. Well, let's fast forward to 2023. You mentioned something about the Gen Zs. You mentioned something about the younger generations. This, the emotional intelligence is what resonates with them in terms of self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Those are the five elements of emotional intelligence. As a leader, you need to have strong self-awareness, you need to actually have a certain degree of strength in all of those mm-hmm. to connect better with your employees and to be better with authentic leadership. Yeah, because if you don't, I mean, they're, they're just going to get it. They're just going to go someplace else. I think most people search for a leader. Do you think I'm right on that? That's always been my thing. I think a what lot do you of mean? people are always you searching they search for a leader. For a good leader. For a good leader. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> for, I mean, I mean. We should probably identify that. But they search for a good leader. You know, we see that it, it, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, whether it's one thing, it seems like there are a certain small group of people that are leaders, that are tribal sort of leaders, if you will, by their nature. As you mentioned earlier, you know, you kind of, it, it kind of was kind of your build. It seems to be my build. I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't think I was born a leader, but certainly you start your first company at 18, you, you start shaping yourself. You're going to have characteristics for sure. Yeah. There's probably, yeah, well, I am a first child. I'm an, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an asshole. So maybe okay. that was it. There's some sort of Machiavellianism right. going on, with me, <laughs> which there are probably some people that can attest to my dark triads. Uh, but, you know, if, 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 if that's an aspect, I think a lot of people do search for leadership. They search for someone to lead. They search for someone to inspire them. Even if it's, you know, when people listen to the Chris Foss show, we talk about stories here. And stories yeah. we've talked about often are the great owner's manual to life because you don't get one. You might have got one in the mail. I didn't get one. But uh, uh, the U.S. Postal Service isn't quite the same as it used to be. No, it's not. No. People, 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 you know, look at stories and stories are kind of a leadership thing. People listen to podcasts. They listen to, you know, they go on TikTok or wherever to do their things. And so I've always kind of had this kind of theory that people search for leaders or good leaders, as you, as you keenly point out. So people are searching for mentors in life. People are searching for a board of advisors to better lead and direct so they can make better decisions in life. You could, you could argue that's also the leader that they may or may not have. I ask this question a lot in leadership workshops and in keynotes. When was the last time you had a leader that actually changed your life in a positive way? If you have it once in your life, you're lucky. 
Mm-hmm. It's a very tough thing to find. People want leaders that, especially today with the, the millennials, the Gen Zs, the, the younger generations especially, they want leaders that help coach and develop. Mm-hmm. Now, we, something you mentioned about with servant leadership, you know there are different leadership styles. That's the, the challenge that people run into. Transformational. There's laissez-faire. There's autocratic. Mm-hmm. So there's all these type of leaders. And, and, and a lot of times that has to fit with the right person and the right team that you're leading. Mm-hmm. So, but let me just say this. Finding that right leader for you is a very difficult thing. They have to connect well with them and the leader has to connect well with the employee. It's all Definitely. about connection. Definitely. And then you have to become self-aware. That's one of the things you talk about in the 10 right. keys of becoming an authentic leader. And I, I noticed there was something that you put in here, prioritize self-regulation. What does that mean? Is that being self-aware and self-accountable or get, define self-regulation? For so self-regulation me. is is regulating your emotions appropriately for the certain situation. Oh. So when you think about things that would trigger you, now trigger can also be a positive, but let's, let's, let's look at it from a negative connotation. When you understand things that trigger you, do you act and, and speak and behave in a certain way that's appropriate for the environment that you're in? The only way that you will regulate appropriately is if you have awareness that it's going to happen. Do you ever enter into a conversation like, I promise I'm not going to lose it. I promise I'm not going to say this or do that. Chris, I'm looking at you right now. I know that never happens to you. It's, it depends on who I'm dating. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm not Dr. Phil, but I could play it if yeah. I had to. If I had to. By, this, is, by, this is where you get tagged as a good leader or a less effective leader, is if you don't regulate your emotions appropriately, you, you're probably not going to be, you're not going to have employees that want to be around you. Moody leaders don't regulate well. Mm-hmm. Volatile leaders don't regulate well. Mm-hmm. It's unattractive in the environment. There you go. I, I think, uh, would, would you equate that to a bit of stoicism or stoicistic a- aspects? What do you mean by that? Stoicism, you know, founded by Marcus Aurelius and and Seneca and other things, it talks about leadership from an aspect of controlling one's emotions, regulating one's emotions. And so, you know, not freaking out about stuff, processing your emotions through your logic and reasoning thing. It's kind of more of a masculine sort of process of putting things through logic and reason before delivering them. And so talking about that from that aspect, you know, like you said, I've learned that being a leader over the years, you have to be a good judge. And so you've got to be careful. You've got to, you know, sometimes I think of myself sitting at a bench. You've got to be careful at your analysis. You've got to be careful at your delivery and how you understand people, how you understand and evaluate events and be able to meet them in the moment, as you've described, appropriately in a way that doesn't That's right. uh, alienate people, devalue them, demoralize them, demotivate them, et cetera, et cetera. A strong leader has self-awareness, they have situational awareness where they pivot appropriately based on the situation. That is a, those are real skills, Chris, that people struggle with, especially when I'm going to hire you to become a leader. Oh, you are a really good individual contributor. You're probably going to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially, that's more often not, that's not the case. People need to be coached and trained on this more now than ever. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's, it's, how do you balance that, though, with emotional intelligence? Because one of the challenges, especially from kind of a stoic 
a leader like myself is balancing emotional intelligence and emotional delivery of that where you can understand you can empathize with people you can you can connect with them emotionally but yeah. without you know freaking the hell out and, and acting like some sort of spoiled child as a leader so when you talk about emotional intelligence this personal competence which is self awareness self-regulation and motivation then there is the social competence the empathy and the social skills somebody that has strong empathy by the way so this is where empathy gets challenging so this is mm -hmm. I'm, speaking candidly i'm somebody that needs to work on empathy i know how to show appropriate empathy mm -hmm. the problem is i may not feel empathetic and as a leader it's not whether you feel empathy or not it's whether you can show empathy Oh. And that's, and that's, by the way, that's, it's all about appropriateness when it comes to leadership, Chris. Can you show it? By the way, I can't, I can, am I going to teach you to have empathy, Chris? Or could I coach you and mentor you on how to show appropriate empathy, even though you don't feel it? It's more about the overt versus the internal. And, and the communication of it and yeah, you know, how, how it passes other people, as you're saying. And and you, some of the coaching you guys, and I believe you guys do coaching. Is that correct, or would, do, do we do any coaching, appropriate call it training, training, keynote, the whole bit? Mm -hmm. There you go. So when you guys you guys teach the communication, how to how to get that across to people, and I think that's a big thing that many leaders maybe are challenged by is how to communicate effectively and get uh -oh. you know the mission statement they 100%. want uh, being being connected to their people. Talk to us about some of the challenges you see leaders do in that area of communication and so when you talk about communication from a leadership perspective this is one that people hear all the time being a good listener and good at questioning that's the foundation of all mm -hmm. communication so we we notice that people i'm not gonna say people are bad at it people need to elevate their listening and communication skills another part of the, the communication aspect is they need to be better coaches mm. coaching is a skill it's a conversation. It's a collaborative conversation. More often than not, when we work with leaders, they, they haven't had formalized coaching skills. But I'll throw another one at you. Interviewing skills. Mm -hmm. It's another one, which by the way, of all the programs that we offer, interviewing needs to be more at the forefront, but you would be shocked to know that most companies don't offer formalized interviewing. So you take a look at listening questioning skills. You take a look at coaching skills. You take a look at interviewing skills. I'll throw one more at you. You ready? Presentation skills. There you go. All of it. <laughs> I could talk about hours on this. You can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this. You are passionate about it. And that's the awesome sauce. So let me let me clarify something for you when you say interviewing. Do you mean is interviewing as in interviewing for a job for a hire or as the in leader? Maybe? The leader asking the interview questions mm -hmm. for the person that they're looking to hire. There you go. There you go. Interviewing and hiring right, spending the money to interview first and upfront is so important. I mean, yeah. we, we used to do the thing that I think a lot of companies fall into when they first come out is they'll, they'll do one interview and maybe two, but usually the second one is just a job offer and sign the contract. And, and it was a mess. Sometimes some of the people that we pick up, you know, you'd find, you'd find out you'd met, you know, Jekyll and, and they turn out to be Dr. Hyde. You know, <laughs> That's an that interview movie. problem. That's an interview problem. Exactly. And then we switched to four uh, interviews with people, three to four interviews. Good. We put them through multiple things. There's a whole aspect of series that we go yeah. through. Yeah. And wow, just made a, a huge difference in, in, in what went on there. Now, to fall back to something else you said, because sure. you, you threw me a lot of different things there, and it was great. 
one of the things you, you talked about was being able to ask questions and evaluate systems. This is one of the things that, you know, they talk about in stoicism in being able to try and understand something. And I think, do you find a lot of leaders, one of the challenges they have is they knee jerk to stuff. They don't, you mentioned they don't ask a lot of questions. Asking questions is really important to not only understanding their people, their, you know, what's going on with sales, what's going on with the business, et cetera, et cetera. What is it? Seek to understand and then be understood is what Stephen Covey used to say. Yeah, there you go. This, this is the, listen, we see it in leadership. We see it in sales. We see, see it in customer success. People are not listening and questioning effectively. They're not looking for words and phrases that they don't understand from the other person's perspective. What they're doing is they are oh, I know what that means. I already know what that means. And they go into talking about things and it doesn't resonate with the other person because they have a different definition. Mm -hmm. This is literally what happens in everyday conversation, Chris. It happens in leadership. It happens in selling. It happens all over the place. So if people would learn to listen, lock on more effectively to better understand what somebody's talking about, ask better questions, again, to better understand before they come back with answers, if they better understand, they'll come back with answers that are more likely to resonate with somebody. That's the skill that's missing all over the place, not just in leadership. It's all over the place. There you go. And if you understand and listen to people more, yeah. you, can, you can gain, number one, better rapport with them. Correct. Build a better relationship with them. Gain Correct. trust, I believe. Yeah, and that. what else may I be missing? When you, when you listen to people, you give them feedback, you know, when basically you, telling them like to listen to you. I'm doing that right now. They feel like they're heard and they feel like they're heard. And if you're really good at it, they feel like they're understood. You don't have to agree with them. You just have to feel like you're being present in the conversation. If you've had a conversation with somebody, you're like, they're not even following me or they're waiting for me to stop talking so I can talk. There you go. What were you saying, Paul? I was looking at my yeah, phone. Funny. Uh, yeah, funny. There. I like it. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> the no, it's it in what we've nailed down here is is really vitally important from sales and from leadership. It, it, even from running a company, you know, understanding what's coming at you. Oh, it's yeah. so easy to assume what the problems are. You know, we were talking about this earlier with some other guests about leadership and, you know, someone was interviewing a CEO and they said, what's the problem with your company? Oh, the marketing department. Right. <laughs> and it's like, no, it, it's your, it's your ship. It's your, it's your submarine is, is the analogy they were using. And it's your, it, it, the buck stops here. And so if your people are failing, if your company's failing and you're the CEO, you're the leader, it could be you, you know, because that's, maybe you haven't trained people right. Maybe you haven't effectively communicated right, like we talked about. Maybe you haven't exhibited the type of leadership that's going to motivate people as you've talked about before. And that can make all the difference, but also in the running of your company. Like I, one of my things that's so simple and people talk about this is going into your company and say, why do we do things this way? And, you know, for years, people would say to me, well, I don't know, you invented this little system that processes between here and there, and you did it. And then I would have to sit down and go, why the hell did I do it this way years ago? Is there a better way to do it? Is there always a way to improve? And so being able to ask questions, well, what you talked about, can improve the quality of your company because if you're constantly, companies, businesses, people, they always need to be on a constant slide of improvement. And if they don't, then they're going to slide downward into nothingness or bankruptcy or, or right. become irrelevant. Uh, you know, like we've seen with Kodak and other companies. There's a lot. Did you say Kodak? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm going back. Chris. Anyway, I'm old. 
<laughs> it's a great story too. It is a good story. Yeah. Uh, let me say this. There are many reasons why companies thrive more than survive. But when you talk about leadership, the crux is communication. It just is. And, the, and when the, that starts to break down is when problems start to happen. There are other skills and behaviors that are involved that are important with, with leadership. But for us, what we focus on is that communication aspect. And there are many parts of the communication that, we that, we, that you and I talked about. There you go. And sales as well. Sales is one of the topics you mentioned. Yeah. Being able to listen to, know if people are listening to you anymore. One of the biggest problems I have, especially with online sales and the pitches we get off of like LinkedIn, it's like, if I could get a dollar for every pitch I get on LinkedIn that I have no interest in, in or is... You Delete know, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be a millionaire by now. Like uh -huh. I just... I almost uh -huh. have to pay somebody just to handle that crap. And uh, it, it's just insane. And a lot of it is th they don't do any qualifications anymore. That's one thing I don't see. No research and no, no research. research. Yeah, that, uh, like, do they know who they're talking to? Yeah. The, <laughs> exactly. the, the, or, you know, like I'll get some pitch. They'll be like, hey, I, we're steel manufacturers in China. Do you want to buy some steel? And you're like, at what point did you read my LinkedIn bio and determine that we're steel retailers? You know, that's just an extreme example. Well, people... When people actually call me occasionally, I'll pick up the phone. I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? What exactly do, do, do I do for a living? Do you know? Because there if you, you knew I did also sales training, you probably wouldn't be having this call with me. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it interesting that, that you know, we, we're online now, so we can do background checks. We can look at everything. Oh, yeah. And, and so we can know who people are. You know, in the old days when, you know, we used to go have to knock on doors and Which means, by the way, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for this. Exactly. Everything's gonna, hey, we had to get out the yellow pages. I don't know if you're that old. <laughs> I am that old. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm the type of old where you had to drive out to the manufacturing plant or, or wherever the business was. You had to knock on the door. You had to bring some roses or chocolates or some something for the gatekeeper. And that gatekeeper, man, she was like... Oh. She was a military sort of person that was, you weren't getting through unless that you That was when you can get into a building, Chris. Yeah. yeah. You can't get into buildings anymore. That's true. <laughs> right? That's, That's true. Right. But uh, trying, you know, you'd, you'd go into the buyer's office and you'd have to scan around the office and be like, hey, you got a picture of your wife there. How's your marriage going? Oh, yeah, those days. Fishing. Are... Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now you can look it all up. You can Google it. That's you right. can say, hey, you know. Paul Bramson is into this, that, and the other. I can see his LinkedIn. He's over there doing this. He's talking about this. These are the things he's passionate about. You have a uh, better chance of connecting with them now than you ever have, to your point. Mm -hmm, definitely. And when one of the problems that we used to have with our sales force is they wouldn't listen to the customer. And when they get through the sales process, the customer would get to the end and then the call would come to me because the customer was angry because what they thought they were buying or what they, what they wanted wasn't what they, what they ended up at the end. For example, we had a mortgage company for 20 years as one of our companies. They would, you know, they want a 15 year mortgage and the loan officer would just be, you know, wasn't paying attention. He would just ram through the process and they'd be at closing with a 30 year mortgage and they'd be pissed and rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> so it still uh, happens today. It still yeah. happens today. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 these skills are not that easy. We're talking about it fundamentally like, wow, this should be easy to do. No people, we work with people that sell transactional type deals, hundreds up to the billions that people need work on being more effective at listening and questioning. Mm -hmm. it, you say it's a fundamental skill. It is a fundamental skill that people need to work on. Yeah. 
definitely. We used to teach our salespeople. We, there's one first question I want you to ask, and we'd monitor for it. We, what are you trying to accomplish? And shut the f up and yeah, listen. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear you talking. I don't want to hear selling people. Same thing we do in in interviewing. We, I'd tell my interviewers, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. You'd be surprised what people tell you when you listen, because they, you know, you would sit there and go, yeah, and they, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be selling them on the thing. You'd be listening to them, and I think people get confused on that selling or interviewing and selling the company in the interview, interviewing for a sales process, you're, you're trying to sell your wares. And if you just shut up and do that listening as we're talking about, that's right. You can better understand the client. You can better understand your interviewee. It's a timing thing, Chris, mm -hmm. and people's timing is off. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, sell, sell them at the end once they've sold you, but only you know, if they tell you it's something they want to buy. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I, when we used to, when I'd interview people, I would just shut the hell up. I'd just be as quiet yeah. as hell. And I'd ask a lot of questions, of course, through the thing. And, you know, stuff would come out because they would try to be filled the empty space. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, that, I did I did some time in prison. You're like, what? That's not <laughs> your resume. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting what people tell you. Or if you're doing sales right. and, you're, and you're qualifying your client, you know, asking them the questions, you can better identify what they want to achieve and help them achieve their goals. But and everything you you're that, talking you about, everything, and everything you're talking about is accurate. It's mm -hmm. this involves knowledge and skills. People wing it. They have a hard time articulating what would make them successful. They don't have logical, repeatable processes. People need to get good at certain things, whether it's tactical sales, strategic sales, conversations, overcoming objections, listening and questioning, understanding the competition. I could go on and on about this. But there are elements that people need to refine to be selling or leading like a pro. There you go. And as you mentioned, this ties right into leadership too, because if you understand your people, if you if they feel that you're vested in them, you understand who they are and everything else. One thing you I thought that was really cool you talk about is embracing relationship transparency. Talk to us about how that translates into leadership or really relationships in general, I suppose, from whether Love it's the question. Sales, Love the question. So one of the things we talk about, I like to talk about with leadership is when was the last time you sat down with your employee and said to them, Hey, I want to have a transparent candid conversation with you i want to Usually talk when about i'm firing him i'm sorry well i want to have a transparent candid conversation with you i want to tell you about the things that get me fired up in a good way and i want to talk about the things that get me fired up in a not so good way and oh by mm -hmm. the way i want to hear from you first about that and then i'm going to share mine they don't there do that you. that is being vulnerable transparent and candid Mm -hmm. Love it if they would do that. They should do that at the beginning of the relationship. They do it sometimes it's too far along to even have that conversation. Sometimes. And what I like about what you did there is you asked them to communicate first. Correct. So you're you're listening to them and, and how they do it. One of the one of the most interesting sales pitches I ever got was I, I got a comp a call from a CEO who wanted me to use a new software a CRM that he had. And he he called me up and he said, "Hey, Chris, you know this is what I do." He goes, I, "I'd like to talk to you about it, but tell me about yourself first. I'd like to get to know you better." And uh, and I felt like really like, "Hey, this guy cares about what I did yeah. and the way he communicated too made it effective. It wasn't just like it says here on the card I should ask you what you do." You know, <laughs> right? He really seemed to give a shit, and it, it came across in his empathy. Well, that's authentic. That's authentic. Mm -hmm. That's authentic to your point. 
about 30 go. years ago. That's right. Yeah, there you go. We just keep rolling through the show with all the topics. And this is this is such a rich environment that you wow. created with these 10 aspects of leadership to become an authentic leader, I should remind people. And we won't get through all 10, sadly, during the show, but people should follow up with you on this. And I think you probably talk about this on LinkedIn too as well, don't you? I absolutely. LinkedIn posting three to four times a week, both on my personal page and the business page. There you go. So people can follow up with that on the 10 aspects of authentic leadership. So he, 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 li he literally shut up and he listened to me for, I don't know, I went on for 10 or 15 minutes talking about myself because I don't know, I'm a narcissist. No, you just, no, no. See, I, we haven't done a survey for that yet. You don't come across that way. Well, we've, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a callback joke we do on the show, but there's a bit of dark triad shit <laughs> with me. So, and then he told me his pitch and I was willing to listen to him as a, as a potential customer because he had listened to me. So I was willing to give him the ability to put his pitch out there. And, you know, so many people, they call you up and you, you know, we've mentioned that you, you have this experience too. They call you up and they just go right for it, man. They don't take you to dinner. They don't take you on the first date. They're just going right for the clothes. And you're just like, who the fuck are you? And where are you come from? And so you have a different buying style, Chris. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that don't have any patience. They want to get right down to it. Yours is more conventional. This is how you and I grew up. I'll, I'll throw you and I in the same age. This is how you and I grew up. A lot of times people want to get right down to business. If you know what people need to be better at, they need to ask that up front. How do you want this to go? Mm-hmm. They need to start asking a little bit more unconventional type questions at the beginning so they get a feel for somebody before either they dive into it or not, to your point. There you go. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's flush it out. Buying style. As a salesperson, you, you, you need to be able to identify what people's buying styles are. And you're right. I am one of those, get, get right to the bottom line. I, I, I can tell you if I'm on or off. I mean, if... I'm 55 years old. I've seen so much crap. I mean, I'm slightly older. Old. You're slightly older. Plus, I'm jaded. I'm, I'm jaded and I'm broken. And I'm at that age where I'm like, I'm on the lawn. Just are you too old to develop? Are you too old? Yeah, to develop? pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, I think after 15 years, my audience is like, shift is sailed. This that dog is not going to learn any new tricks. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, so, so uh, give us some examples of buying styles, maybe how to identify them as a sales. So, uh, so we don't go into it's not the buying step, we, it's the type of underlying need somebody has there you go. will determine will determine how you potentially should handle them from a buying perspective. So if I understand you better, while we get through some of the niceties, maybe it's I could I get a feeling for you on email, a feeling from you as we just introduce each other. I'm going to get a feel for you by your body language, by your tone of voice of how of and and some of the conversation that have, that you and I would have on whether or not I should get right down to business or not, or I'll even ask you, how would you like this to go? We can certainly do, we can certainly do introductions or we can get right down to business. What would you prefer? But you'd you be go. surprised. That can go 50-50. Really? Oh yeah. People are like, you know, let's, let's ease into this a bit. Let's mm -hmm. ease into this. Or somebody says, get right to it. What do you offer? There you go. There you go. I usually use the, how would you like this to turn out when I'm firing people? I'm like, would you like to walk out the front door or uh -huh. would you like to go through the window? Right, right. So there you go. Don't do that, people. That's a joke. Don't write me. By the way, Chris, <laughs> Chris, I do have to add a lot of that. A lot of what you just said has to do with how much the, the, the product or the service that somebody's selling, typically the amount that it costs will determine how long a meeting or the number of meetings will go. 
if it's very transactional, it could be very quick. But if we're talking about making a huge investment for that client, those conversations are going to be much more in depth. There you go. You know, it's 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 interesting to me how people develop and a lot of leaders. Do you, do you think a lot of leaders do a lot of self-reflection? Do you think a lot of them understand, you know, how to... Do I think humans... Forget about leaders. Do I think humans do a lot of self-reflection? No. You've been watching the news lately. No. Huh? Florida, oh, no, no. Florida, oh, don't man. go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> I, I Listen, we all, me included, could do more self-reflection. Listen, we, we, you and I, had, we were joking about, you know, has that ship sailed as your development ended? If you want to continue to develop as a human, you need to self-reflect. And once you know better, you do better. If you're somebody who doesn't do that, if somebody that lacks self-awareness, meaning if you, when you look in the mirror, if you don't see what everybody else sees, you need work. There you I would go. say most, most leaders don't do that. They're moving too fast. I'm saying that collectively, of course. There you go. And not everyone. That's so not collectively. Yeah, there you go. Correct. On average. That's a diplomatic answer. That's right. But yeah, we all need to work on being better. That's why we do the show is so that people learn stuff and, and educate themselves from all the walks of life. But you're right. Being in front of the mirror, I do that Stuart Smalley, Al Franken, SNL bit where I Al Franken? The every How day. old is this audience? I, I'm old. I don't know about the audience. <laughs> I don't know. According to TikTok, there's a lot of 13 to 17-year-olds watching. So I don't know. It's, it's hopefully we're hip for them. But I, you know, I sit in front of the mirror every day and go, people like me. They really do. <laughs> That's anyway, good. Whatever. So as we round up the show, let's get into some of the features that you do, the training, some of the offerings you guys do so that we can get people onboarded and, and aware yep. of some of the training programs that you offer. So from a, from a keynote, from a, there's a keynote, there's keynote workshops, there's training workshops. Right now, the connecting like a pro. How can we better connect with people, whether it's from leadership with employees, employees to leaders, as well as from a selling perspective? How can we connect better with, with prospective clients as well as existing clients? This thing is on fire right now, Chris. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's not a personality assessment. This is about, it's, it's very, it's fun, it's quick, it's easy to understand, to apply and embrace. That one's on fire right now. We have selling like a pro, obviously, selling skills, tactical, strategic. We have negotiation program. We have interviewing program. We have a coaching program. We have a listening and questioning program. So those are training workshops. And the, the keynote that's really popular that I'm doing right now is the connecting like a pro, for sure. There you go. Did you say you had a listening and communicating program? Yeah, no, I did. Kidding. I had to get that joke in there. So there you go. And so let me ask you this, because yeah. this is a question that has been coming up this week with all the leadership discussions we've been having. And, and it was an epiphany that I had this week that leaders need to really think of themselves as coaches. You know, everyone's, uh, there's a lot of coaches nowadays, but do you find that a lot of leaders think of themselves as a coach? We, you kind of alluded to this early in the show and I wanted to call back to it. And then are they good at it? And I think you mentioned something about that. All right. So, so I can answer the second one very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mostly, most people in management and leadership could, could be more effective at coaching. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give it the yes or no. They could be they could be more effective. They could use more honing, refining, and polishing on it. Number one. Mm -hmm. The first part to your question again, remind me, was this a listening? <laughs> was was do coaches need to do do leaders need to think of themselves as coaches? I mean, some people just think they're like you mentioned before, authoritarian in the show. And they're just barking orders at people. Autocratic. So Autocratic. No, I'm not correcting you, but, but I'm adding on to it. I'm not <laughs> correcting you. I'm adding on to that. There you go. So, so 
Here's the thing. First of all, every leader should have the skill set to be an effective coach. I want to throw that out there. Now, how they use it depends on the leadership style they have and the team that they have. If you're a laissez-faire leader, that means you have high performers on your team. You're going to step away and only provide guidance and coaching when it's needed or it's asked for. If you're a transformational leader, you're going to be somebody that that's inspirational, motivational, and constantly providing coaching when it's needed. If you're autocratic, you're probably having a one-way conversation, which is not coaching. It's telling. Every leader should have the skill set to be a capable coach. Not every leader has that. There you go. In fact, we're getting a plug here for your services. Blake gives us a plug in from YouTube. Effective communication is a skill and needs to be developed. The leading and communicating like a pro curriculum from the Bramson companies took my game to a whole new level. How's that for fun? You mean it actually works? <laughs> I'm sure it Thank does. you, Blake. You would be around for 25 years? 25 years. 25 years, if it didn't. And uh, th these are interesting discussions. And you bring up a good point, too, that I that you gave me epiphany on. I, I love it when we learn things on the show. Identifying, you know, being a coach to people and, and identifying their personality types. So, yeah, your top guys that are in your sales, your top 5% guys, those guys who are the extreme sales guys who, yeah. you know, it's the 80-20 rule, only, I don't know, yeah. these days it seems to be the 95-5 rule. You know, mm -hmm. those are the 5% five five of the guys who make 95% of your sales. Or gals. Or gals. There you oh, go. <laughs> I'm an old, I'm an old, I'm an old people, but you're right. Thank you for correcting me. So men or women, those top salespeople are just going to be your, your monster deliverers. And you're right. They don't need much help. In fact, they want you Correct. out of their way as much Correct. as they possibly can. Laissez-faire. They want the laissez-faire. Yep. That's right. And then there's other people that, that need that boost, that need that help, that maybe they're not trained as well. Maybe they yeah. don't. Maybe they just don't have the experience. <clears throat> I mean, we were joking earlier this week about the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Alec uh, Baldwin's classic Alec in that movie. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. And I've had those salesmen, you know, that are the high-end salespeople. They're the Al Pacinos. You know, they're out working the bars. They, yep. they might, there, there might be an eight ball in their pocket. There's, there's, you know, there's going on. And I'm baiting everybody that way, but you know what I mean. They're those guys. You're funny. Wait, did you say you're in Las Vegas? Home. It makes more sense now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you know, they're the guys who are who are painting the town. They know how to work the client. Yep. They know how to wine and dine, and you know. Uh, really get it done. And, and you just need to stay out of the way and you just need to provide support for them. But you, your point to that there are other people that need that more coaching. They need that more help. They maybe need more, they need more hands-on. Uh, hands-on is probably not the word HR is going to let me use. But uh, Chris, are you a sports fan? Are you a sports fan? Yeah. Yeah. What's your sport? Football. I'm a Raiders Pro fan. Pro or college? Pro or college? Mm, pro. Pro. Listen, these pros, they're, they're pros. That means they're super talented. How much coaching yeah. do they get? A, a lot. lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they're pros. They're yeah. the best in the world. The issue is everybody, even the 5%, by the way, even the 5%, everybody needs more coaching in order to get to an elevated level. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan needs more coaching. I can't remember the coach of the Utah Jazz. I remember I was 11 years old and I and I delivered papers as my first job. Sloan. Uh, Sloan. Was it Sloan? Sloan. I think Sloan. Was Jerry Sloan. 
Yes, I think it was Jerry Sloan. Jerry Sloan. Okay. I, I'm 55. The brain's That's already right. going. We're getting there. We're getting there. I remember we went to a thing at the newspaper thing and they, they brought Jerry Sloan into the Utah Jazz and he was talking about how you would think that Carl Malone, you know, being paid whatever it was at the time, millions and yeah. millions of dollars, one of the top people in the yeah. game. This is when they were winning championships or trying to win championships. I don't think they fully got there. They never got there. Never got there. They were getting whatever whatever is up to the point. Yep. And Michael Jordan, of course, kept taking it away from him. But he he would t- he talked about how, you know, you would think that you wouldn't need to coach that gentleman because he gets paid. You're like, well, he gets paid a lot of money. He must be good at what he does and he doesn't need any of my help. But he's like, no, I have to be on him. I have to help him, support him, coach him, motivate him. Correct get him to the next level. That's and right. I think leaders need to think of themselves as coaches. The more and more I need to think about it. maybe, maybe leaders should all go to coach training and certification. You know, these one there's nothing more important as a leader, mm-hmm. not more important than being an effective coach to your point. There you go. And, and I, I, I suppose, would you say that falls into servant leadership? Servant leadership is tricky. Hmm. Servant leadership means is I work for you and whatever you need, I'm going to provide in order to get you to the next level. This, I think the name itself, although it's a very powerful concept, sometimes people like, wait, a minute, that means I'm going to kowtow to, kowtow to my employees. No, 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 no. It means you're going to provide them with the information, with the skills and the knowledge to get them to the next level because I work for you. And a lot of, a lot of leaders don't have that mindset. It's big, that's when the ego starts to kick in. It doesn't come across as servant. It comes across as more egotistical, narcissistic type of leadership. There to your go. narcissism comment. That's <laughs> a good callback joke. Oh, we always bring it up. So let's do this as we round up the show. Sure. What's the best people way people can reach out to you? They can onboard with you. They can get to know you better. I know that you have like a, we, we alluded to earlier, you guys have a website where, or a yeah. point of access where people can go on and find out more about themselves by taking a survey from you. So that, that they'd have to reach out to, to us, but paulbramson.com is the website. We have contact information on the website for that as well. And of course, on my LinkedIn at Paul Bramson, B-R-A-M-S-O-N. There you go. And they can get to know you guys better. They can find out if you're a fit. Who, who are the people that are probably a best fit for you? That's probably Anybody that's one. willing to pay for the services is a very good fit, Chris. <laughs> and the check's clear. So there you <laughs> I go. say that in slight jest. Let there me just go. say something. Let me say something. We work with all industries, biotech, medical devices, SaaS, fintech, martech, construction, engineering, ergonomic, office furniture, you name it, we've either keynote, keynote workshop, training workshop. If somebody reaches out, they're looking to develop, they're looking to elevate, that's a good fit. There you go. There you go. Well, Paul, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. You ask great questions, by the way. There you go. We we try. I've done this once or twice before. I can tell. <laughs> and I've loved this discussion we've had because I love talking about all Robust. this kind of leadership and everything else. So hopefully people learn some stuff because I had a couple of epiphanies as well. And if you didn't, go back and watch the whole damn show, people. Jesus already. Throw us your dot com one last time so we can get that plug in. Paulbramson.com. P-A-U-L-B-R-A-M-S-O-N.com. There you go. And thanks to my audience for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you. Without you, we just could not do it. And uh, thanks to Mark while well, coming in there at the last second. Uh, great episode, gents. Paul is the man. So we love that thing. And then I think someone was asking if there was an online training 
and would like to look into them, make sure, I think we got your .com out there. Yes, so you make did. sure you get you that. Did. And if you didn't, it will be on the Chris Foss Show. And you should be seeing this on the LinkedIn newsletter from the Chris Foss Show later this week. Thanks, Manus, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and Chris Foss One on the big TikTok over there. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.